This is season two, episode one of the Mama Hustle podcast, all about books, books and more books with Shivani from Play is a Child's Work. Welcome to the Mama Hustle podcast, the show for moms trying to find joy in motherhood. In each week's episode, we will discuss topics like parenting, mental health, finding purpose in everyday family life, and so much more. I'm your host, Pritika. I'm a mom of two children, a seven-year-old and a two-year-old. I am so happy you're here. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. It's been a minute. Um, I have been uh, not recording podcasts and putting out podcasts for almost two months now. This was not something I had planned at all. My goal was for this year was to set out um, and publish a podcast every week without fail. And for the most part, for the first four months of this year, I did that. However, the COVID second wave happened and uh, some of my really close family members were affected by it and some of them one of them was hospitalized as well and it really really took a toll on me I just wanted to be there for them and make sure that they're okay but even mentally the anxiety of the second wave and everything that was happening it just doesn't didn't seem like the right time to be recording and publishing podcasts and speaking about parenting because we were just trying to survive so I decided to take some time off from social media and podcasts and all of that. It was supposed to be about two to three weeks, but it ended up being two months. You know, you can't really plan these things. Uh, it just sort of happened that ways. But here we are, um, and I'm calling this a season two just because we've had a two-month break. Uh, so this is episode one of season two. And this is an interesting one because, again, I have a guest uh, on the podcast. And the guest is Shivani from Play is a Child's Work, which is one of my favorite Instagram accounts around Montessori and books, children's books. Uh, I consider Shivani kind of like my book mentor. Like if Shivani recommends a non-fiction children's book, I will probably... Um, try to get it myself for my children and uh, my school as well uh, just because um, all of the recommendations I've had from her have been absolutely great. Uh, Shivani also has an account on Instagram where she talks about Montessori for elementary age kids. So a lot of the Montessori um, accounts that are there on Instagram are mainly uh, targeted towards like toddlers and preschoolers uh, because that's where most of the Montessori education happens. But uh, a lot of people don't know that Montessori curriculum and education goes all the way up till, up till elementary and even middle school age. So uh, up to 12 years and beyond as well. And um, Shivani is really good at sort of incorporating her kids uh, interests in a Montessori education fashion and I absolutely have so much fun looking at her posts and getting new ideas and discovering new books and games and all of those things so I'm just really happy that uh, she's here um, we recorded this podcast back in April and I'm really sorry that I didn't publish it in time but here it is now and I hope you enjoy this episode and I will see you in my next episode next week Welcome to the podcast, Shivani. It's so good to have you here. This is the first time we've been talking face-to-face, so to speak. Yeah, thank you for having me. You know, this is actually the first podcast that I'm doing. 
Uh, <laughs> so I'm pretty excited about it. And uh, books is something I love. So when you, you know, suggested yeah. this, I was like, for sure, on board. Yeah. Yeah. So for those of uh, y'all who are listening to this, Shivani has an amazing Insta handle uh, called Play is a Child's Work. And I really consider Shivani as my book mentor. So if Shivani says oh. that she likes a particular book, I'm like, I got to get it or at least put it on my wish list. So when you're covering that particular topic, I know what to buy. But uh, I just am so um, inspired uh, by the 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 way you use books because you know the way I use books is is you know we have something called a morning basket and I sort of read it out and we do a lot of internet research and stuff like that but I still do not use books in the way that you do which is you know pairing it up with like hands-on activities and you know actually doing something tangible with what you're reading and mm-hmm. it's something I'm learning from you it's not something that even occurred to me we sort of just kind of read books and then we talk about it and do research but we don't really do activities as such with it uh so yeah i thank you so much for inspiring uh me and i'm sure many other people on instagram with all of those activities well thank you that's that's really kind of you to say you know i i get very humbled when i hear such things uh because I don't know how much of the credit is uh, kind of due to me, but I, I really love uh, when uh, I see other people as excited about books. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, cool. And uh, your children are uh, both going to Montessori school or, or at least till now are going to Montessori school. What sort of mm-hmm. drew you to Montessori and the principles and things like that? Uh, so this is a really funny story, but when I was about seven months pregnant with Shorya, um, a lady came up to me and I was with my mom. I was out somewhere in Pune, actually. And, you know, she said, if I can just give you one piece of advice, uh, you know, you should really consider Montessori for your child. And here I am, seven months pregnant. I honestly <laughs> had no idea what Montessori is. But, you know, sometimes when you're growing up uh, in India, you get very used to um, people giving you advice because of course they're coming from a good place and you're just like okay fine it's just advice it's like and so I kind of filed it away didn't think too much about it and when it was time for Shorter to go to school um, like when he was going to be turning a year old that's when I really started kind of researching what kind of um, options are out there um, you know for lack of a better word and that's when Montessori popped up again in in Bangalore Uh, And the more I read about it, the more I could relate to it because I really want, I like this whole concept of gentle parenting, respect for the child. um, And uh, yeah, and then I think Sid and I were very on board with, you know, the same kind of uh, environment that we wanted our child to be in. Um, So yeah, that that was it. And I think uh, once we got to tour the school, it just sealed, you know, that decision for us because then we couldn't imagine him going to just a a daycare just, you know, for two or three hours. We wanted him to be in an environment which was calm, it was peaceful, uh, where he could work on his, uh, you know, whatever work he was doing. So yeah, Yeah. that that was basically it. Okay, cool. So uh, let's talk a little bit let's focus a little bit on books because that's what it is about. We can talk for more sorry till the cows come home and I'll never stop. <laughs> but uh, let's talk a little bit about um, children's books, right? Because that's mm-hmm. what this episode is about. So the first question I ask, uh, I want to ask you is, do you remember a moment or time that you fell in love with children's books and you were like, oh my God, like I wish I had this growing up? Um, 
you know, so I read a lot as a child and it's all thanks to my mom. Like she just introduced my sister and I to books and reading and she would take us to the library once a week in Pune. There was the Pune Club library where it was, you know, you're free to roam in that children's section. You pick your yeah. book, you sit and read quietly. So I think that's where my love of books stems from. Uh, when it came to children's books, um, I think when Shola was two months old or something like that, I remember looking at Pinterest and going, you know, let me look at what are the baby books out there so that mm -hmm. there's only that much baby talk that, you know, I felt I could do. And I felt I would rather use my time maybe reading books with him because I love books. And um, that's honestly when I discovered Cordroy, Goodnight Moon and yeah. Like, I felt like that was such a great way of bonding with him, you know, him sitting yeah. on my lap, us looking at the pictures together. Um, and I think there's been no turning back since that point, because it's just been, we, we, I think we discover books together. Uh, yeah. So for me, that's the really joyful aspect of uh, children's books. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I actually got into children's books a little bit later than, you know, two months. I mean, obviously, I did buy a bunch of like board books, a bunch of them were given to me at my baby shower with my daughter and things like that. But mm -hmm. I don't remember it being a huge part of her for six months when I was home with her. And then when I got went back to um, work, whenever mm -hmm. I would come back from uh, work, the first thing my daughter would do is nurse. And the second thing she would do is pull a book from the, from the, uh, you know, the bookcase that we had a little basket in the living room and she would pull books from there. And I right. realized that, that, you know, she thinks of this as our time together. And that's where, for me, I just completely fell in love with, you know, books and, and uh, doing research on what good books are out there. And then from there, it just kind of spiraled. <laughs> it spiraled yeah. with my second child. But yeah, I, I totally get get uh, that whole bonding experience while reading. And it's, it's not just for me, even for my husband, he felt the same way. So right. yeah, yeah. And when did you first start reading with your children? I, you, you mentioned that two months with Shoria, right? Is that? Yeah, and I think Samira as well was around the same two or three months because um, I, I think when they could you know, start identifying that, you know, I'm holding them. It would just be like, if I'm holding them and they're sitting on me quietly or peacefully, then I would bring out a book to just kind of show. It doesn't, it wasn't literally that you have to read the entire storybook. I, I never exactly. had a purpose. Yeah. Um, you know, it was just, you know, we're sitting here quietly. Can we enjoy this um, activity together? Because I've always thought of reading as something I love and enjoy. It's never been a chore or yeah. a duty or, a, you know, a tick mark that I have to do this because it will have some, you know, effects for my kids. It, it was just how um, can I, you know, what else can you really do with babies? You, you, like you said, you nurse them, you put them to sleep. And then of course you bathe them, feed them. But then this is one thing you can actually do with them, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to me. Like I, I get a lot of questions from mom saying, you know, if I, you know, when, when I, when I had my second um, child, my son, uh, I, I was on Instagram a little bit more actively and uh, mom just to message me saying he's just four months old, five months old. Does he understand anything? And yeah. I'm like, you know, what we have in our head of what reading to a child is and what is the reality is different and that's like fine it's not like like you said that you start from the first page and end of the last page some kids just want to 
see the the images for a while. Some kids just want to, you know, maybe they like particular pages in in the book, and it, it doesn't have to look like oh, you're sitting together or reading through the entire book. It looks different for for everybody. Exactly. But I guess it's just the just the the idea that you know you do this like you eat and sleep and you know all of those things. You also read together. Um, yeah. So yeah. Uh, what is your favorite? Would you say if you were to say three favorite baby and toddler uh, books for our audience? Um, I would say Cordroy. Yeah, I absolutely love that book about the gentle little, the cute little bear. Uh, yeah. You know, and it's it's adorable. Um, yeah, I I remember Shortridge really enjoying that book. In the end, where she gives him a hug, he would think that was he was the bear and I was you know the little girl. Uh, so that's my one of my favorites. Then Good Night Moon, um, mm. and uh, I think on the night you were born, because I think yeah. it's always a very special kind of story when you're telling your children that how on the night they were born, you know, yeah. the whole world changed, and that they are special, they are unique. Uh, they need to remember that, irrespective of what society says, or sometimes maybe as parents, even we might say something, um, you know, and we may not be conscious how they. um understand that but i think it's such a lovely reminder that uh, they're special and it's i think it can't be told to them enough times so yeah yeah i have a i have a tradition in my um uh, my house where i read the night you were born and uh, a night before on my kids birthday eve like my daughter is 7 yeah. and i still read her the, the board book yeah. and yeah it is a super special book i i i also um feel like cordroy you know it's like you get all of these board books with like you know open flaps lift flaps pop outs mm-hmm. and all of those things mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. if i currently my my uh two years uh two year old toddler if i tell him to pick between a pop up book let's say an osborne c inside book versus a um versus cordroy he would pick cordroy any day just yeah. because the story and and it's just so sweet So it's interesting yeah. it's interesting the the books that stick with you. So this one is an interesting one because this is something that I took years to figure out which is uh what is your favorite way to display and store books. Uh and the reason I ask this is because for me um I it took me a while to understand how I could display books to make it attractive for my children which is front facing mm-hmm. for both of them even my 7 year old will tend to pick up a book if it is front facing or kept on a coffee table as opposed to in a bookshelf uh, mm-hmm. and definitely for my daughter on a front facing bookshelf um so what is your favorite way of displaying books and sort of making it attractive for your children um so i think it's actually evolved because um you know earlier when it was just like a tiny cubby or a part of a bookshelf um i used to stack you know he he would know that all his five six seven books were right there um i did have like two shelves in their you know bedroom where i would display some books based on the theme that they were interested in maybe biweekly um it's not like i forced myself to change it every week so that they would be interested i would just observe um and kind of book, put the books there uh but what i noticed was they stopped going to those books even though they were like face forward based on something they wanted they would both go to the bookshelf and okay. they would be standing on their little chairs there climbing on and trying to get the book and saying mama <laughs> you know that book with that character that's the one i want to read and i remember seeing samira when she was all of like 2 years old standing on her little you know ikea chair and sitting near like what is she doing and she climbed up she just took her book out she put her chair back and she walked off 
And that's when I realized that, you know what, I think that they're ready for the entire bookshelf um, kind of access. I don't really mm. need to rotate it for them anymore because I, I think they both are very familiar with the books that we are reading. Um, of mm. course, I'm there to always help them if they ask, you know, have you seen this book or this is the one I'm looking for? What I have changed though, earlier I used to organize it by author or genre. I've switched to like color coding because I, I felt mm. like I, I spent a lot of my time putting the books back uh, because, um, you know, like earlier when Shara and Samara couldn't read or when I did have a live-in help, she couldn't read either. So she would put them wherever. And then it would anyway become, you know, like an unorganized kind of mess Chaos, yeah. a mm. week or two later. And I realized that by putting it by color, it was easier for the kids to find it because now they're like, oh, the spine of the book is red, I remember. And they take it out and they actually go and put it back by themselves. So right. it, it works for me because I don't have to be a part of this process anymore. Uh, and I'm like, as much as we can ask, you know, uh, the kids to do by themselves and be independent, I think that's the eventual goal. So yeah, the color coding has somehow worked. Interesting, I never, I never thought of that. Um... But yeah, I now that I then now, I mean, one of the biggest messes in my house is book messes, just because my kids pull out the books that they want, especially my seven year old, and then they kind of like pile on the rug in their room, because I tell her, you know, let's pick up, let's clean up and all of that. And her go to is pick up the books from the living room and go and put it on the rug in the children's room. Yeah. And maybe I should try that. Maybe that might work because she's a very visual learner again. So she might be able to, it might be easier for her to put it according to color. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it takes a bit of getting used to like, because I was very against it. I, you know, first, first yeah. week, I was like, oh my God, I absolutely dislike this color coding method. You know, it's just, <laughs> is it for Instagram purposes that people are doing it because it's pretty? And I was, I was, but I was so frustrated with the, the chaos that was happening that I said, yeah. I have to try this. And a week later, um, you know, now it's now it's been almost, uh, I think, eight or nine months since we've done it. And our books stay organized. And I'm so right. happy because even if there's like, you know, you're feeling not calm, you look at these like books and you're like, oh, it's, it's okay, it's nice, <laughs> it's calm. So it's just like a little corner of calm in your house. It's nice. I see what you mean. I know rainbow books are a thing uh, on Pinterest yeah. and Instagram. And some people yeah. either love it or you hate it. If I yeah. say rainbow bookshelf to my husband, he would flip his switch. Like he is so ADD <laughs> about like organizing his books, but he doesn't really, uh, he's... Um, the kids' bookshelf is kind of like in their room in like a yeah. corner where they don't really, can't really see them. So I guess I'll try it out <laughs> there. Yeah. But I um, see, I do that with my books. My books are not color coded, but yeah. then it's because I know where they go back by author, right? I can't expect my children to constantly remember. And sometimes they just want to run and play. So I'm yeah. like, till then, I think color coding is going to stay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that totally makes sense. Um, do your children have access to and and you spoke about this a little bit right now i know but do you do your children have access to all the books you own or do you prefer only a limited number of books access to them or do you prefer limited number of books access to them at till a particular age and then after that they have access to everything how does that what's your um so they do have access to all uh but i do uh, kind of observe not on a like an everyday basis but regularly if there are some books that they're just not kind of you know picking up or going for um, then I do tend to move them to like another smaller bookshelf in one of the other rooms um, mm. so it's 
you know, because they're not getting picked. And if they're also, they're not picked, then I just end up donating them because I'm, oh, okay. then I'm pretty sure that they're not even missing it and they haven't really picked it up. And yeah. it's possibly just because either they've outgrown it um, or they're just, you know, not interested in it anymore. So, you know, it's just, or, that's just the way I make the decision. Yeah. Yeah. Or they're not ready for it. Right. That could be. Yeah. Yeah. That's, thing. that's possible too. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Um, you know, what do you, what do you say to moms who uh, tell you that my kid is being like pretty rough with books and like ripping pages out and things like that. So what would you, what, what would your advice be for, for those moms? Uh, you know, I have had a few moms message that to me saying my child yeah. is only interested in tearing the pages, not really. This was an audience book. question. <laughs> yeah. Ah, okay. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I know that's natural, that that tends to happen, of course, when the kid is younger. Um, yeah. You know, but, but, uh, with Shorter, he was just always really gentle and careful with his books. Um, I think it was because he figured out these are for reading. You know, mm -hmm. like how we sometimes associate some things with, um, you know, like for a certain purpose. Uh, but I do know that it's also like children kind of experimenting, right? So it's natural for them sometimes to say, what's going to happen if I kind of pull this page? Oh, look, it's yeah. staring. And I, that kind of experimentation will happen. Um, but if you feel like your child is doing that repetitively, I would kind of, uh, you know, just talk to the child and put the book away and say, oh no, we don't, we don't want to tear our books. You know, the book is for reading. If you want to tear something else, here, here's some paper, you can tear that and kind of yeah. give them and do it as many times as it takes for the child to make the association that, you know, books aren't meant to be torn or they're meant to be read. Um, yeah. But they won't understand if we just take the book away and like keep it away forever. It's more yeah. about how do you redirect the child to do something else uh, because maybe they, they are in that phase where they want to experiment and that's okay. Yeah. You know, just give them tiny bits of paper and say, if you want to tear something, you know, let me give you paper if that's what yeah. you want. But yeah, um, yeah it's, I, I totally believe in having conversations uh, in terms of, I expect my children to understand what I'm saying. So I don't yeah. really do baby talk. Uh, and yeah. that's, I think, um, one of the best pieces of advice I got uh, from someone's, I, I think it was in, in the Montessori school itself, the first one Shorter went to. And he said, you know, never underestimate your children. They understand a lot more than you give them credit for. So try and talk to them in a very yeah. gentle, respectful way. And they will always surprise you. And I think that's yeah. something that I've always uh, remembered. And yeah. 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 Yeah, uh, yeah I, I put in this question because I get this question a lot as well. So I always tell moms, first of all, maybe they're not ready for that particular book. Let's say if it's an interactive book, maybe they're not ready for interactive books. Uh, the second thing I would, I always recommend is get board books with rounded edges. A lot of times you, you may think that they're ready for just paper books, but they are not. And then the third thing that uh, I would tell them is uh, modeling. So, so to give you an example, my daughter really was very rough with her books, uh, mm -hmm. but my son, never was he was always super respectful of her books and I think part of the reason is because he was seeing my daughter being like really respectful with the books and putting them away properly and reading them properly and not tearing them uh, yeah. so yeah I, I was I, I always tell them like model like reading a book how do you take a book out read it let's put it away uh, and just being really gentle with books also worked for me yeah 
Yeah, and that's exactly what you're saying, right? Like when you you see your child pulling at a tab or doing something and you just say, oh, let's let's be more gentle with it. Look here, yeah. this is how we lift the tab. Yeah. Um, and that's actually why I love board books and hard covers. And then paperbacks is like the bottom of preference, like the rung for me at this point, because I feel like it, like for Samira, she is so young that, you know, it, it can easily be kind of torn. Uh, but yeah. not so much with board books or, you know, hardcover yeah. books. So that's actually why I prefer them. I think they're, they're made sturdy for a reason. Exactly. <laughs> they know yeah. that, you know, children will want to experiment. Yeah. Uh, and, that's and the thing the is, they, they get sad. Like if my son, you know, by chance tears something or spoils something, he does get sad and upset about it. It's like they yeah. know, you know. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's really funny because my, like you like asked, my kids have access to all the books, like even their pretty books, like, you know, the one with the cutouts, which are really intricate, really delicate. And I have, you know, brave a lady. Moms, <laughs> a lot of my moms tell me, oh my God, no way. The child is not allowed to touch that book if I'm not around. And I'm mm. like, well, I trust them because they know it's their book. And like you said, sometimes they, they realize when their thing is, you know, spoiled or not, okay, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm not liking this. And then they're not going to do it, but that's the way that they learn. So I just trust yeah. them to take care of their stuff. And, you know, I, I tell them once, but I'm like, I do not want to be a woodpecker and constantly tell you every time you take out your book, it's yeah. your book. So, yeah. you know, it's up to us to take care of our things because yes, I can try and stick it back with tape, but you're always going to tell me, mama, it's not the same, but that's the best yeah. I can do. I'm not a magician. Yeah. I can't magically. It's a natural consequence of. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. 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 Um, all right. So let's move on to interactive books because I have a love-hate relationship with interactive books. I love them because, you know, I really respect the person who's designed these books and designed the cutouts and the pop-ups and the... Yeah. Pop-up books are like my absolute favorite. Like I have this Alice in Wonderland pop-up book, which is like magic. All right. So I love interactive books, but I hate what my kids could do to the interactive <laughs> book. Added to that, I have found that if, you know, if I'm explaining a concept, let's say weather uh, in through, um, and we're reading a pop-up book, all right, as opposed to, let's say there is a story about weather, like maybe it's a really beautiful story about weather. I tend to notice that even though the in the beginning, the interactive book is more interesting to them, they will learn so much more from the story-based book. So I wanna mm -hmm. know like your opinion on that. When do you go in for the interactive kind? When do you go in for the story-based kind? And how do you balance it out? What's your preference, first of all? Uh... I don't actually have a preference. I seem to like both. <laughs> uh, like, like you said, I think it depends on the occasion. Like sometimes pop-up books can convey so much more than just words, right? Because it always helps, especially visual learners to see yeah. something in front of them to really understand what's happening or even understand where the story is going. Um, and, and of course, storybooks are great because you, you know, they, they tell the story without distractions. So yeah. they each have their pros and cons. Um, that being said, of course, in interactive books, you know, I, I've realized that if kids, and I don't blame them because so do I, I'm, I'm sure as do most adults, they get like, they're so engrossed by the pop-up element of it that first you want to kind of look at that and spend some time. Correct, um, yeah. you know, 
exactly. Um, so, and that's fine. So, you know, I kind of paused the reading there and then just tell him, why don't you look at this? And when you're ready for me to read, I can read it to you or you can read it by yourself um, because with Shorter, he, he does read. Um, with Samira, I wait for her to kind of be done with it as well because otherwise it's just me kind of reading out loud for no real purpose because I know they're distracted by that and yeah. it's good. I, I really want them to examine that and, you know, look like, at a tornado model or whatever you know that pop-up is yeah. um and i i think they're really lucky that they have these kind of interactive books today I know. because i feel yeah. like if we had had that we would have had a lot more like like a stronger foundation of you know knowledge for the sake of knowledge not uh, oh my god i need to learn this because i may have an exam for it and then i may have to get some marks for it right like learning should be for the like the joy of learning oh this is how the earth works oh this is how you know mountains are formed or the tectonic plates like you know the pop-up earth book I mean they're just such fantastic books available for these kids so yeah. I'm glad that they're spoiled for choice in terms of should we go for storybooks or interactive books yeah, yeah. I, I just I'm I'm completely dazzled and I have so much respect for the designers of these books yeah, because it ca they can't just be doing this for the money. It has to be for like oh, yeah. creating the magic. Yeah, um, I just keep telling my uh, friends um, and and my husband that if we had this when we were growing up, like you know, even it's not just it's not just science or geography. You look at the history books available right now. The my one of my favorite genres of like picture books is like picture book biographies. Like, I mean, if we had picture book biographies when we were growing up, that would be a completely different story. I would view history in a completely different way. Yeah. Yeah, I am totally with you that the amount of amazing work that's been happening with children's books, even in India, like the, like the, the, the you know, children's books available in India are, are amazing too. But yeah, yeah, it's, they are spoiled for choice in there in a really lucky time because they have the internet too. So it's like, not just the books they have, they can add to that. And, right, yeah. yeah. It's pretty awesome. Um, do you do you do you collect uh, books for like festivals and stuff like that? What's your take on that? You know, this is something that I've just gotten into in the last year mm -hmm. because we've been homeschooling full time. Uh, before that, I kind of like uh, left it to the Montessori school that my kid went to, talking about festivals. But now mm -hmm. I've really started to collect festival books from all over the world. What is your take on that? Because I know a lot of people will say, oh, we're just going to read like, you know, the holy books that we have once a year. So what do you, what do you think about it? Um, so I think of, you know, books like as very important because that's how you broaden the child's view of the world. Like you're literally bringing the world into your bedroom or into your house, right? Like how much can you really expose to them in a real life basis? Um, so, uh, um, so that's what I love about books. And my principle of books then extends to, you know, books about festivals. The more we know about the rest of the world, culture of the world, their festivals, their traditions, why they celebrate certain festivals. I think it's, very important to expose children to that because it gives them an idea that not everybody lives like us and that's fine yeah. uh, but you know at, at the end of it humans are very similar we celebrate things we celebrate festivals we look for reasons to gather with friends and family um, you know and that's kind of what's the important takeaway for these books so of course I have books on holy 
on Diwali um, and other festivals um, like Christmas, you know, Thanksgiving. Um, and I feel like, yeah, of course, they're seasonal in terms of you read them for maybe two weeks of the year. But I mm -hmm. also think it's it's important because you want the, the, the child to relate in a visual manner to what is this festival about, you know? You, yeah, because a lot of them, course... they will not see, right? Like, for exactly. example, Passover, they would never see, like, unless you have exactly. Jewish friends, yeah. Yeah, and I, I feel like people remember, like, visual images a lot more than someone you know, kind of telling them just, yeah. you know, this is what the festival is. And mm -hmm. while it's fine to do that, um, you know, just kind of seeing the way festivals are celebrated all around the world, I think it's great. So you, you don't need to get a book on every festival. You could just get one on the important festivals of the world. I, I know there are a few publishers that have those kind of books. Yes. Um, uh, but I, I feel like to expose your child to different cultures, just so that they're more respectful and kind, um, I think that's very important. Yeah. Yeah. To anybody listening, uh, Barefoot Books has a bunch of books with, with multiple uh, festivals and also National Geographic Kids has like these really um, not illustrated, but actual photographs of festivals yeah. around the world. So they have Passover, Kwanzaa, you know, all of these festivals, Carnival, we have not, not heard of. So if anybody's interested, National Geographic Kids and Barefoot Books. What, what yeah. about you? What do you, do you, do you have any festival books? So we do actually have the Barefoot uh, books, uh, that book. And then um, I haven't looked at the National Geographic one, but that's what I love about National Geographic books, that it's yeah. real life. It's real life yeah. photos. Um, yeah. So I think that's also very important um, for you, you know, for kids to see uh, that, okay, these are real life people. This isn't made up. This isn't an illustration. Um, and yeah, I think like books, basically serve a purpose of kind of connecting us to humanity so I, yeah you know whatever kind of books there is that there isn't a certain type that has to be right it's basically yeah. what you feel connected to what you think will help um you know in enlarging kind of the world of your child so yeah there's yeah. no right and wrong kind of answer yeah, yeah. To me, uh, the other cool thing about festival books is also that they are cyclical, like they happen every year. So every year you pull out the same books. Yeah. For us in our house, Halloween is a big thing because my, my daughter is obsessed with Halloween. And uh, so every like September end, she will start. So I, I like that she's understanding that every year the same things happen. You have harvest, you have equinox. You have, you know, all of these festivals uh, and they're yeah. tied in to the seasons and all of that. Yeah. So I love that part, which is why I like books and festivals so much too. What's your uh, preferred way of introducing biographies to kids? Because um, that's something we just briefly spoke about. Do you like picture books? Like, the, you know, the little uh, people, big dreams ones, which are like mm -hmm. very um, brief uh, or do you prefer like more story-based books? Like, let's say, um, you know, there are there are a bunch of which are like stories of, let, let's say the Van Gogh book, um, the, the biography mm -hmm. of Van Gogh is, is more of like a story-based book. So how what's your preferred way of, let's say, introducing Maria Montessori to your kids if you were to do in a biography picture book? So the Maria Montessori book we actually have is the Big People uh, Little yeah. Dreams uh, one, but I, again, don't have a preference for either because I, at the end of the day, look at, you know, is the story being told authentic? And I feel like there's so much for little kids to learn when they see real life 
um, you know, models and heroes to kind of look up at, like these people who are pioneers, or, you know, in the case of Maria Montessori, who um, decided to be the only female and study in a male school. And, you know, that that photo is so poignant, because mm. any child who looks at that will say, why are there no other girls in the <laughs> school, right? Yeah. Um, so I feel like as long as the story is authentic, and it's not too long, and it holds the child's interest, it's it's all great. Like, because we do have some big people, uh, Little Dreams books, but then we also have some which are not from that series, like on the Wright Brothers taking flight. Um, then there's like, um, there are uh, quite a few, I think Temple Garden, the, the girl who thought in pictures, uh, then um, Jeanette Winter's books, like her books are really good, The Librarian of Basra, uh, mm -hmm. there's um, Henry Scissors, um, so, you know, I feel like it's just about um, picking books that you think you want your children to hear or will be interested yeah. in hearing. Um, like one of our recent favorites was The World is Not a Rectangle, uh, which was based on the life of Zaha Hadid. Um, okay, I don't know about the song. Uh, yeah, so she's an architect, um, a world famous architect. Oh, yes, I've heard from, about yeah, yeah. From uh, like, uh, you know, I think Iraq. Mm -hmm. But basically, it's 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 an it's very well told in terms of how she loved designs and you know how she was so influenced by her dad and also kind of where she grew up and how she went on to design so many buildings. But the first time she took part in a competition, even though she won, they they decided to hold the competition again because there are four men standing there and saying, looking at her design. One says, "Well, she's a woman." One says, "She's an Arab." You know, so they have these reasons as to why she can't win. And then they hold it again and she wins again. And I feel like these books tell such powerful messages to our children, right? That equality is so important. You shouldn't discriminate on the basis of gender. I mean, you and I could give lectures on, you know, yeah, why women deserve, sure. uh, you know, to be equal. But I think mm -hmm. nothing impacts a child as much as a story of someone else. Yeah, because it's just that simple, like, you know, Shara people, but why? Like, why didn't they let her win? Or why was Malala not allowed to go to school? If someone told Samaira she couldn't go to school because she's a girl, I would be really angry with them. That's mm -hmm. unfair. So I think children have a moral compass that is excellent. Somewhere where they're kind of growing up, society tends to impact it in terms of, you know, you should accept it. This is the norm. And I really want for our future generation to break that, you know, way of even thinking that you yeah. shouldn't accept things just because it's a norm. It's okay mm -hmm. to question it. Um, and it's okay to ask for kind of fairness. So that's actually why I love biographies. Yeah. I remember um, for Anas birthday, we got the little people, big dreams, um, a book, the three, the three box set for women in art. And yeah. one of the books was Audrey Hepburn's story. And that book actually sparked conversations about, well, what, what was happening in Nazi Germany? And then we went into so much discussion, which we would never have had it not been for that particular book. So I feel exactly. like um, biographies are such a good headway into talking about history in a non-lecture way. Uh, that's yeah. my pet peeve with children is, I don't want to lecture my kids. I know it yeah. backfires. I'm not going to do it ever. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like, um, so even for, for if you have a child who's early readers, I really like the Who Was books. Um, mm -hmm. And then what you can do is you can read the Who Was books. And then I believe Amazon Prime or one of these streaming services has movies for those books. So you can 
watch the movies as well. It's it's great. Oh, cool. Yeah. I, I can't remember now which streaming service, but I think one of them does have it. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Um, the next one is, um, do you create a budget as a family uh, for books? So the reason, uh, and this was a, an audience question as well, but it's a question I have as well, because the reason I ask is because I get carried away really yeah. easily with children's books. Um, and I like realized this, that it, it happened a lot during our year at homeschooling because I was like, you know, I'm like the primary quote unquote educator uh, of, uh, and, and when I say educator, I mean somebody who's creating an environment, not necessarily somebody who's teaching. Um, yeah. And so uh, I do tend to get carried away, uh, especially because in India, when you see a book that's available, chances are two weeks from now, it's not gonna be available, right? So I, even though we're <laughs> yeah. not going to explore that topic for the next homeschool year or what, what have you, uh, or I don't think that my daughter is at the level to read that book, but I will still buy it and I will hoard it. Um, so I do feel like I need to come up with a budget. So I, I wanted to know your um, take on that. So I think having a budget is important. Um, like Sid and I, used to definitely have a budget till this year. And I'll say why till this year, because I think we both realized that, you know, being at home, books was our only source of entertainment and the way out into the world, uh, because the kids have very limited screen time. And then we, you know, we're like, well, we had a travel budget, like, like a lot of things you, you end up, you know, budgeting your travel for the year, like, oh, how much are you gonna, how much can you really afford to eat out or order in, um, right? Like every family, normally you kind of have to budget your expenses. Yeah. Um, so we decided instead of, since we weren't going to be traveling, we would use a fraction of that budget towards the books budget and move it this way. Um, and it was something that we decided together. We, of course, had a conversation about it and we said, well, you know, does this make sense or doesn't it? Um, and for us, that made, made sense. But I think every family, you know, needs to decide what's, what works for them. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not one um, size kind of fits all kind of approach. Um, that being said, I do understand the need and the want sometimes to get a book, which you see, especially one of these, um, you know, um, imported publications, like you said, it may not be available in India, or you see it at a price, which is a lot more attractive than, you know, if you pass it, and then you're like, wait, may, will I have to overpay? Because you do tend to have to overpay for a lot yeah. of books. Especially if um, you're buying on Amazon. Yeah, exactly. Um, mm. So what I tend to do in that case is I just wish list it on Amazon and I keep it in my basket. So there are like, uh, there are some books that have been in my basket for like six or seven months and it's still like really long. Uh, but I do check, you know, once in a week or something to see if any of the I prices have gone down. Yeah, um, and then, uh, and then, you know, if it's something that I feel like is a really good deal and then I get it like, like, for example, Historium from the Welcome to the Museum series. I saw it for 600 rupees. Now, I knew when I bought it six months back that we would only get to it when we were doing the possibly fourth grade lesson of Montessori. Mm. But I was, you know, it's just, it was 600 rupees. And I was like, you yeah. know what? It's fine. I'm happy to keep this for six months because I'm pretty sure I will not find this book at this price point. Um, and I think it's, it just, you know, becomes that. And I, I feel like moms in general are pretty good at budgeting and figuring out what books their kids need versus what is it that sometimes even moms want. 
because yeah. a lot of these pretty books you sometimes have mums going I want oh, this yeah. book Oh, yes. um, but like <laughs> I have been know. there <laughs> <laughs> like me and my, my best friend talked about this the the Julia Rothman books they are gorgeous they're absolutely gorgeous yes uh, but when we looked at it I was like I don't see Shorter using it till he's possibly nine and mm-hmm. I got you know want to see what uh, you know what it was about in terms of because I heard so many people raving about it mm-hmm. and I mean we do use it in small bits and pieces like I'll open it out to two pages of Shara's asking for something um, but I also do see it's a book that you know he'll be ready to use after a couple of years so hence I decided to pause and not buy any more of those um, but yeah I think it's 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 good to have a budget so you know if you're going over and it also helps you control <laughs> yourself when you see yeah. all these you know, Instagram booksellers or Amazon. Uh, I know the Instagram yeah. booksellers. I keep telling a lot of that, them have become good friends of mine. And I keep yeah. telling them that you guys are like uh, enablers. Bye bye money. Uh, but yeah, that's yeah. a good point about, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the times you're buying the books for us. Like for me, for example, the nature, um, the Welcome to the Museum series is a big yeah. one. Yeah. Because I, I believe that they're absolutely beautiful they might not be the best for my kids. I'm going to be honest there. Like, and, and I was too young to understand the beauty of it. But the way I justify it is if she doesn't like it, I can always cut up the pictures and frame them. <laughs> like, they are so pretty. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I do agree with you that books need to be, you know, it, it, every family has a different priority. So I have friends who tell me, oh my God, that book that was for 1100 bucks is really expensive, don't you think? But but the same friend would spend 1100 bucks, let's say on something like a pizza or something like that, right? So I think it comes down to priorities as well. Oh, for uh, sure. For families. Um, for for me, uh, I, I'm, very, I'm very clear about two things. There are two priorities that I have for a family budget, which is books for children and um, healthy food. So yeah. I, you know, I am okay with spending and, and, you know, there are months when I spend a whole lot, like let's say leading up to Christmas or their birthdays and then mm-hmm. there are months that I wouldn't buy anything. Um, yeah. Epic has helped there because a lot of the times I will go on Epic and search for a book and if it's available there, I probably won't buy it unless my daughter says, oh my God, I wish I had the, the physical copy of this book. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm with you on the on the buying for moms and not necessarily for kids. Yeah, but like you said, it's it's about prioritizing. Like yeah. I've had a lot of people reach out to me and say, you know, how can you prioritize books? Don't you think your children need toys? And mm. I feel like it's an individual parenting choice, right? Like the yeah. reason Sid and I decided to prioritize books, especially the last year in lockdown, was because we felt our kids had all the the you know, open-ended toys that we felt that, you know, they liked or wanted not to say that we're depriving them, uh, but we just felt like books made more sense, you know? So we chose to prioritize books so much so that um, on their birthdays, that's what I asked my parents and my in-laws to give to the kids. Like, okay, these are the books we are looking for, you know, here's the entire list, pick any that you want, but please stick within a budget because we didn't want them overspending either. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people, you know, look at that as you're crazy or you're depriving your children or, you know, how can you decide your children doesn't, your children don't need toys. And I'm like, look, at the end of the day, you have to compromise, right? You cannot buy all the toys and all the books and everything else in the world. You have to yeah. prioritize something over the other. So like, 
I personally have possibly decided not to buy any clothes on Mintra or anything because we're staying at home. I have enough yeah. clothes. I'm like, yeah. do I really need a fancy dress or should I get maybe two or three books? Like books. So it's, know. it's you know, it's yeah. about what decisions you make as a family. And mm-hmm. I, I think that as long as you're okay with it, like, it's fine. Like people yeah. can keep thinking, oh, you should parent your kids differently. And that's fine. That's that's, that's why they're okay. my kids yeah. because you know I get to parent them. So yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. I always look at these beautiful, open-ended Grimm's Grapat toys yeah. on 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 Instagram. And you know, first exactly. of all, these these toys are not available in India. So yeah. even if I wanted to buy them, I can't. Second of all, I feel like if those books, those toys work for some kid, they they probably won't work for mine. For example, I have the yeah the famous rainbow stacker neither of my kids play with it and it's considered the most ubiquitous open-ended toy maybe at some point they will start playing with it but you know I know what my kids are really into and for for them if they have a bunch of blocks and you know obviously I do buy Montessori material for my son because he's at that age where he needs hands-on Montessori material but yeah I'm with you that we understand and we sort of prioritize based on our family um all right. So last few questions. Uh, what are your favorite resources for books? Do you, do you prefer Amazon? Do you like Instagram sellers? I, I love supporting Instagram sellers. If I can, I'll do that. But yeah, your take. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really sad and unfortunate that I didn't discover Instagram sellers till I started play as a child's work. Uh, okay. I had no idea who they were till September last year. Like, you mm-hmm. know, my, my only source was, Amazon and local bookstores. So I would take my kids a lot to the local bookstores in Bombay and before that in Bangalore, um, you know, um, because that was what I knew. Like I would try and support the local bookstores before trying to find something on Amazon. Uh, now it's, it's honestly, it's a combination of all three. So I mm-hmm. still do order from that, uh, the bookstore in Bombay because they ship all over. There's one in Pune that ships all over India. Um, in fact, I, you know, I love Tara books, Tulika books. So there are so many publishers, like you said, in India who are doing wonderful bo- uh, work and they ship to you. Um, I do try and see with the Instagram booksellers if they have some books that I'm looking for. Um, and if they don't, then of course I look on Amazon because Amazon normally manages to have everything. Um, and also manages to get everything to you sometimes when you're looking for something given this pandemic situation. Um, so I'm not, I, I'm totally not one of those people who's against, uh, you know, this is like Amazon. Amazon. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think they solve a wonderful problem for moms like, uh, you know, who are already strapped for time uh, because you just quickly at night find the book you're looking for. It, it shows up, but. Oh, the nighttime shopping spree. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I thought I was the only one. No, I think we're all in the same boat that's the time we have to control ourselves exactly. <laughs> like, because you know it's just just go brain. to sleep moms just yeah, go to yeah. sleep <laughs> exactly yeah so yeah I, I feel like I'm really glad that there are so many options now to buy books from I know because everyone has different kind of books they're selling um yeah. and you know you're not and it involves a lot more research mm-hmm. uh but I I feel like um, you know I research when I buy my own books like I use Goodreads to see the rating or the Goodreads uh, you know recommendations so why not extend that for my children as well so I don't use Goodreads for them of course I look on Pinterest I look at lists for topics that I'm interested in that I know they're interested in and that's kind of how I pick you know oh this book might be cool to have 
sometimes I look at a YouTube video to see does it really make sense or is it just you know another book that we possibly kind of already have something like this um, so yeah I, I do definitely do that research which I know a lot of people think is um, a lot of <laughs> time and effort uh, but you know I research my own books like like me like like as an adult, you don't expect to like every genre like someone gives you a book off, right? Like, hey, you should yeah. read this. So I feel like we should also be more respectful of our children's interests and find yeah. books that cater to their interests because that's really how we're building a love of books and reading and, yeah. you know, exploring the world. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's your favorite? Uh, and I know this is a hard one. What's your favorite children's books, com books company? Oh, this is really hard because I do have so many that I, I think do wonderful work. I think um, DK Books is one of, you know, my favorites. I was going to say DK too. <laughs> because they're so wonderful and detailed and, you know, um, they, Such they just value, value for money. Such good exactly. I mean yeah. that that uh, Ben Horia book of ours, that anthology of intriguing animals has been with us mm. for two and a half years. It's just... Fallen the apart. kind of research <laughs> yeah that's gone into that book so I, yeah. I feel like DK books is great um, mm. especially from an affordability point of view and um, another one I really like is wide-eyed books because they're yeah. so bright and colorful and I know they, like they're so inviting for you know not just a child even an adult so yeah yeah but I mean I just I think in general I just like every ch children's illustrator, author, you know, publishing <laughs> company, because I'm amazed by the kind of work they're doing. It's yeah. just insane across the board. You think, oh my God, there's no one, like this book is so good. And then you find another one, you're like, wow. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say DK books as well. I feel like Osborne is like a big thing, at least in India. And mm -hmm. I have a lot of respect for Osborne books. I love their activity books. All of them are great. You mm -hmm. cannot buy one Osborne activity book that's bad, according to me. Uh, but I, I feel that when it comes to really exploring a topic, I always move to DK. Just because yeah. A, it's easily available. B, they're beautiful. C, they're such good value for money. You can get amazing deals on DK books. Yeah. I also like Barefoot books a lot just because their artwork is yeah. is right up my alley um and i love wide-eyed uh, as well my favorite children's book i think is from wide-eyed uh, the natural world doing such good work that i it's, know it's amazing to see so yeah um all right so back to the questions um so how do you not get and this is like one of the last few questions how do you not get overwhelmed with all of the children's books options out there because i know that there are moms who are watching other moms on Instagram having the resources and the time and the space to have all of these books and thinking, where would I even begin? You know, yeah, like, yeah. how do I start? My, my, my kid is four years old. I'm ready to start investing in a nonfiction library for him or her. Mm -hmm. Where do I even start? So what would you say to them? Um, I think it would just be follow your child. I mean, if there's only one thing I can say would be follow your child and his or her interests. Um, you know, there's nothing more important than when you pick a book that speaks to your child's interest, um, because that's the only way that they will be interested in reading that book with you. Um, for me, it was a very easy decision when I had to buy my first nonfiction book because Shaudel loves animals. 
Hence, I picked that DK book to see how it would, you know, kind of go. Um, it, you know, the age recommendation on that was six plus, but it's just such an easy format that it's a short paragraph yeah. over a double page spread that I said, let's it's a coffee see how table it goes. Book. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it, it was such a hit, you know, Shara wanted to read about three or four animals every night. It's not like you have to read, you know, like 30 pages or 50 pages. It's how much you want to read together. Um, and it is very easy to get overwhelmed by a lot of, you know, topics that you feel like your child should be reading or learning about. Uh, but again, it's always about the child's interest because, yeah. you know, I think we need to stop looking at it as children are vessels that need to be filled with knowledge. You know, they're not here to serve our purpose of, you know, cram as much knowledge as you can into them. It's about what are they interested in learning about? Like, what do they want to know more about in this world? And then kind of look at, okay, who do you see on your Instagram or wherever you look for books that has some top like books um, that your child is interested in? And, and from that kind of pick, and I would say pick one to see if your child even takes to it, especially with nonfiction. You yeah. know, don't spend your money on five or six books and then say, you know what, I'm going to make sure that my child sits with me and reads these because you don't want reading to be a chore you, yeah. you want reading to be something that you know is enjoyable it's really a pleasure you know yeah. yeah you're 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 exploring the past and the present with your children and it's literally like bringing like I said the world into your room so I think for me it's I do spend a lot of time observing them I think that's me influenced by their Montessori um, you know schooling possibly but um, yeah I, I'm, I'm always intrigued in what my children want to know about so much more so than um, you know sometimes I've been told is that age appropriate um, like when he was three he was really interested in tornadoes and cyclones and hurricanes um, and I was told but why are you reading about it to him and I said well if he's interested in it I, I, I want to make sure that he knows he can talk to me about anything because for me, that's a very important relationship that I want to have with my child, where he feels comfortable to talk to me about any single topic under the sun, right? It's not like, oh, no, that's not age appropriate. You're too young. I, I feel like that's not something that suits our parenting style. So it's something we don't do. Um, and yeah, I, I, I feel like that's for everything that I introduce to them. Like someone asked me, how do your kids do? 100, 200 piece puzzles. And I said, well, when I started Shaurya with puzzles, I got a puzzle on construction vehicles because that was the phase he was in. Every time he went to school, he would point to the excavator because Bangalore had a lot of road work going on, uh, yeah. you know, so, and he was so excited to do it. And so I, I feel like as long as you acknowledge your child's interest, um, I think eventually it's, it's a fun kind of reading session because i I think the worst thing to happen for any parent or child is that it's a frustrating reading session, right? Like yeah. you're, you're there to read just for the joy of it. And yeah, yeah so it's, yeah. it's just better to put on your blinders when you see all these fancy, fancy books. Um, yeah. And that's something I tell a lot of people when they ask me, oh my God, I'm like so jealous. How do you have so many books and why? And how do you afford them? And, you know, all sorts of questions. Uh, but I tell them, look, you have to remember that this is the book collection that I've put together over six years since yeah, exactly. was born. Exactly. It's not overnight. It's not like Sid and I went out and bought a bookstore. We, we yeah. can't do that. Like we don't, we just can't. Um, so you just have to patiently put together books that you think work for, you know, your family, for your kids. And um, it takes time. For, it does take time. Yeah, exactly. Another thing I, I also tell moms is um, 
like try borrowing books from friends yeah. and and see how that feels for your child yeah. but yeah. yeah I am totally with you that like people might see book collections and be like and I I've I've received questions from moms whose kids are like two and a half years old like how do you have so many books and I I like tell them I have been a mom for seven years <laughs> so it's like this ha- th- this does not happen over time nobody has the time money resources any of those things yeah. Uh, but yeah uh, go out there ask ask friends for you know if they can borrow a book for like five days and give them like a brownie in return or something like I know be thankful for it but because you know yeah. it takes a lot of courage to lend your books to somebody I'm gonna be honest <laughs> but yeah like ask um, ask recommendations ask moms um, and and yeah animals is a good place to start I do agree that the DK anthology of intriguing, intriguing animals is one of our most read books it's a coffee table staple um, yeah. in our house so yeah. yeah all right cool and the last one uh, which is once your kids grow out of all of these books, let's say both Samira and Shoria are like 13 plus. Well, a lot of the books can still be used all the way till adulthood. Like there are so many, for example, The Magic and Mystery of Trees. There yeah. were so many things I read in those books, that, yeah. that book that I had no idea about. Uh, yeah. So obviously, you know, you can use these books well into adulthood, but you know, eventually they are going to grow up. They're going to move out, go to colleges and all of those things. So what would you, what is your eventual goal with the books if you were to? Um, so yes. I, I know that some, of course, I will possibly always hold on to, you know, either for memory reasons or the fact that they are such beautiful coffee table books, like, you know, the entire Welcome to the Museum series, mm. you know, my big picture press. And um, there are quite a few which really are gorgeous. Um, the others, uh, I think possibly I would either see if there's a friend or someone in my family who could use them because um, I feel like books should be used, they should be enjoyed. Um, yeah. yeah, of course. And um, the third thing I do, and I do this uh, in Bombay, we do this very regularly. Every three months, I would um, give the books that you know the kids weren't using anymore to Goonj. Because I also feel like it's very important for underprivileged children to have access to such kind of books. I, yeah. you know, I don't think it's something that they should be left out of. Um, and every time my house help would say, you know, why are you always giving away the kids clothes and books and toys to them? Uh, you know, you should give it, uh, try and sell it or give it to someone in the building or and I said, look, these are people who've lost everything. I love that Goonj works with people who have lost everything. So I'm like, I would rather it find a home where, you know, they'll possibly be cherished um, versus trying to put in the effort to possibly sell them again. Uh, so mm-hmm. I really like doing that. I like giving it to Goonj. And again, it's thanks to my parents because when I was growing up, they were a huge part of Rotary. And I remember almost every weekend they would have some drive or the other and they would take us with them. And I think that's very important for children to see because it's important to learn one, you you come from a privileged background in terms of if you have, you know, food on the table, you're not worrying about where you live. You already have a privilege over a lot of other Indians who don't. And the second thing is it's important to kind of give you know, to society and not expect anything in return. It's, it's important to realize that there are a lot of people who have way lesser than you do. I think it keeps you um, humble. And I think kindness is honestly a very important quality. So I've, I've asked Alveshara and Samaira that 
you know, I think these clothes we can give away. And there are so many clothes that the kids wear only, you know, a few times, uh, yeah. especially in the phase that Samaira's in, they grow up so fast that every three months that, you know, they've outgrown the clothes. Yeah. Um, so of course I've kept, you know, one or two of her dresses for memory purposes, but I felt it was just better served if I gave it to someone else who might have a child that age and be used. So, yeah. 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 I used to think that, you know, eventually I will have a children's library, uh, which is still a dream for me. Like, uh, yeah. you know, I will eventually do it. But yeah, I, I do also agree that instead of giving it to my friends who would easily be able to afford their own books and stuff like that, giving it yeah. to somebody in need would be way more, um, I would say like it would be, it would serve the book's purpose a lot more. Yeah. And, you know, in fact, in Bombay, we were part of this library called M-Cubed. Um, mm -hmm. So I would take the kids there, um, you know, pretty often where we would kind of sit and browse books. And unfortunately, till the pandemic hit, then, of course, going to the library was not a great idea. Uh, but they had this amazing program where you could sign up your house help for free. So their children would have access to wow. the same books. That's amazing. And I was so excited. I went home and I told my house help saying, you know what, I'm going to sign you up so all three of your kids can go. Um, but, you know, it's also an issue of how they approach education. And it's not just them. It's a lot of educated people I know also who are like, oh, but they already have to study school books. Now you have to study storybooks. What's the point? And I'm like, <laughs> it's, it's not about studying, right? It's, it's like, I've heard that too. World. I love that too. But so you know, but you know, like, the thing is, me up. <laughs> yeah, but Shivani, here's the thing, right? And that's a really good point. And I can't believe I put that, didn't put that in the question. But the point is, most schools have four or five hours of schoolwork uh, in online schooling, plus they have like two hours of you know, the kids are already knowledged out, like they don't want to like <laughs> pick up another book ever again. So I I'm, I'm with you. Like, I understand where she's coming from because, you know, there's already so much happening. Uh, yeah, but, you know, I think the difference is you, it's reading for joy versus reading because you have to. Like a lot of the school books, a lot of children approach it as reading it because we have to, because their parents yeah. say, look, you have to. Their teachers say you have to. But reading is for joy is something you give to yourself. Like, and that's yeah. what I hope to give my children. I always say, I hope my children, um, you know, if they were to pick up anything from me, it would be the love of reading, the love of travel and the need to be kind. Like those are yeah. the three important things to me. Um, so, you know, even when I was doing engineering and I had exams, instead of reading my course books and engineering, I would be reading the Harry Potter series over and over. And my mm -hmm. dad's like, if someone quizzed you on this, you would come first. You use your PL or preparatory leave to read all seven Harry Potters. What's yeah, but there is a reason. To study? <laughs> yeah, and I was like, look, I, I paid attention in class. I don't need to study that like for 20 days. I'm going to do this and I'll study for that the day before the exam. And, you know, that's just how it is. That's how I want to use my time. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it was like, you know, reading for joy and just for your yeah. soul you know to make it happy I think that's something that's very important and I really hope people discover that aspect of reading versus we should read to our children to improve their vocabulary or you know for a goal knowledge you know yeah it's not it's not a goal it's just yeah. you know it should be enjoyed and yeah. I mean I understand that of course a lot of parents approach it like that and there's I'm not saying it's wrong but I yeah. think it would just be more fun if we didn't think of it as to serve a goal. Yeah, I know. I know. There was this, this um, 
Fran Lebowitz had this Netflix show and one of the lines that she says which really stuck with me and I'm actually planning to um, sign a poster and post it on my kids wall which yeah. said if somebody tells if I ask somebody why you're doing x and that person says I'm doing x because it's fun that's good enough for me yeah. and and that's if you're doing anything for fun whether it is reading or writing or you know yeah. what have you if you're doing it for fun i feel like people who prioritize doing things just for fun and not yeah. an end goal will yeah. find so much more mental stability so much happiness as opposed to people who just keep thinking of like an end goal it has to be an end goal for me to learn embroidery or something yeah and you know so many people reach out to me and say wow you're working so hard for your kids or yeah kids are going to do like so well in school and i mean i could go they don't realize it's just, for just so fun this, that <laughs> yeah. it's not for my children to do well in class it's nothing like that right i just want them to have fun i yeah. feel like curiosity is a natural human instinct Yeah. right and as long as you pay attention to a child's curiosity you help the child discover their own like imagination i feel like that's the fun part of it so for yeah. me i look at everything i do as fun like it's not yeah. a chore for me it's not oh my god you have to spend time with your children you have to work yeah. hard it's like no they were interested in doing this so i said okay sure how do we make it like fun how do i make it so that you're actually interested in exploring it by yourself versus me having to sit there with you for the entire one hour or two hours or lecture read a paragraph like, no and then maybe write comprehension answers in a worksheet right, so which the then whole... you check <laughs> exactly and i feel like that defeats the you know if anyone like you said rightly like whenever you think back to when you've learned the most it's when you're having the most fun yeah so i think I having so. fun is very important uh, i feel like if something is not going to be fun or it's boring we're just not going to do it So that's like my basic rule when I work with the kids that it has to be fun. We're all here to have fun because you know time is very important. None of us is going to get this time back. So let's just yeah. be happy and enjoy it. Um yeah. versus be miserable and say oh no do I have to do this? So yeah. 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 That's I think that's a really good point just doing things for fun as opposed to having an end goal. With that, thank you so much, Shivani. This has been a really fun chat. Uh, we obviously went over time because how would we not? <laughs> But it, it's yeah. been so much fun. Uh, if anybody wants to reach out to Shivani, the best place is your Instagram handle. Yes, yeah. All right. So uh, her Instagram handle is obviously at Plays Child Work. You will find the link to her Instagram account in the show notes below. And I will see you next week with another episode of the Mama Hustle podcast. Thank you everyone. Bye. <laughs> Thank you. Bye.